Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. All right, let's dive in and get started. Today's guest is going to be yours truly here. Drew talking with Drew. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds so incredibly egotistical. Um, but, you know, I, I feel as though from time to time, I like to check in with myself in, in particular because I like to go over just some of the key themes that we've come across. And this is episode number 99. Episode 99. Who imagined that when I started this show a few years ago that would we, we would be on to episode 99 and onward? You know, the, the plan is to keep this going because I love bringing these episodes to you, our, our amazing listeners out there. And so, again, this is just a wonderful opportunity to check in, reflect as we move into a new year. And um, 2023, as I like to say, this is known as the year of, believe it or not, this is the year of the rabbit, 2023. And, I, and as I like to tell people, I, I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that this is the year of the rabbit. I say this is the year of self-love. And this is the year of self-love. Say it out loud with me. I, it, is just, it is just so important. And we're going to get into it as, I, as we look back at some of the episodes that really stood out to me and, and just a few key themes that I really wanted to explore. And, you know, there's a wonderful saying from the Chinese poet Wu Men who, who said that if your mind isn't clouded by unnecessary things, this is the best season of your life. Again, if your mind isn't clouded, this is the best season of your life. And I feel that is so true. This is going to be the best season of my life. And it's and, and you, my amazing listener out there, it's going to be the best season of your life too. Um, as we do the work, we do the practices to uncloud the mind, right? That's so much of it. Um, so I wanted to just start, but one of the things I really need to do as a new year's resolution is just to stop all the umming, the ums. And that's something I'm going to be working on is my, my great sound editor. Greg will tell me all the time as he is, I, as I keep him very busy with all my umming. So that's something I need to work on this new year. But in terms of practices and healing and health, Again, self-love was such a big theme, particularly when, I, when we just did the interview with Dr. Margaret Paul recently, who, who wrote the amazing, well, she co-authored the book, but um, she developed the program Inner Bonding. And it was such a, it's, so I've been doing her program prior to our interview. I, I've read her books and it's, it's about, I mean, I'm trying to think of all the programs and, and workshops and classes and, you know, that I've done. And, and hers is definitely at the top of the list. And so much of her work, this inner bonding program, and, and if you get the chance, listen to the Love Yourself episode with Dr. Margaret Paul. Do yourself a favor. It, it, is, it is just so good. 
Um, not, not that I'm tooting my own horn, but I mean, she is so good. That's what I really mean. Margaret is just incredible. And, you know, her program is really about elevating your vibration. And, and I know there's going to be people out there like, what, what, is, what does that even mean? But, you know, elevating your frequency, your consciousness, your state of being, your, your mindset, whatever, whatever word you want to fill in the blank with, it's, it's about elevation. It's about raising to higher levels of, I mean, the word that really, that were that really comes to me the most is consciousness. Your your level of your your level of being, your beingness, this quality of being, and it just raises it to a higher level. And that's what Margaret Paul is all about in her program. And it is so fascinating because when we had our conversation, you know, the, the, one of the things is is that. Inside each and every one of us, there are four of us. Okay, Drew, what are you talking about here? There are four of us. Well, and and this is obviously, this is from, from Dr. Paul, but so inside all of us, there is an inner child, an inner child, but there is also, amazingly, there is a loving adult and there's also a wounded adult or a wounded self. And then the fourth one of us is, is our higher self, our spirit, our high, whatever you want to call it again, a higher self. And there's four of us. And Dr. Paul says, basically, you know, most of us, all of us live our lives and you, and, and the, and the wounded self or the loving adult is in charge. And and she says, well, you know, how do you know who's in charge? Well, it's how you feel. Our feelings, our emotions, let us know who is in charge. When we are not feeling good, mentally, physically, emotionally, when we're not feeling right, these, these feelings of self-abandonment, the, the anxiety, the anger, the resentment, the guilt, the shame, all of these feelings are essentially feelings of self-abandonment, and they let us know that the wounded self is in charge. The wounded self is running things. But on the other hand, when we're feeling good, when we're feeling loving, when we're feeling grateful, when we're feeling peaceful, we know that our loving self is in charge. This is amazing. This is really, really amazing. And so the emotions, the feelings let us know who is in charge. So Dr. Paul came up with this really incredible, what I call the million dollar question or the sacred question, which is what is loving to me now? What is loving to me now? And if you think about it, can you imagine if you went through the day just asking that one question? And I, and I challenge anybody listening right now, right? I challenge you to, to actually try this, maybe for a day, maybe even for an hour, half an hour. Just go through your day and keep repeating that question. What's loving to me now? What's loving to me now? And I think you may be shocked about how you feel and what happens by just simply repeating that question to yourself. What's loving to me now? Or she also says, what's in my highest good now? What's in my highest good now? 
And, you know, this really echoes someone else who we had on the show and, and who, we ta- who I talked about last, last time I did, a, did an episode, which is Steve Gross in The Playmaker's Practice. And Steve has this amazing practice for asking these questions about what can bring more joy into our lives, what, who are the people I need to connect with, what are the practices I need to do to feel more, to feel stronger, and, and you know, what, what, what are the things I need to do to make me feel inspired by life? And, you know, as Steve says, and Margaret said, and, you know, the, well, I guess as, as I'm saying right now, you know, the greatest lie in the world, in, in my view, the great, what is the greatest lie in the world? And I think it's that self-love is selfish. I think that's such a huge lie. And, and it's a lie that gets perpetuated through families and cultures and, you know, we pass it down to, to children and self-love is selfish and you're being selfish, selfish for wanting to love yourself and do things that you love. And this is, I think this is one of the most tragic lies that has ever, that has ever been. Because if you think about it, I mean, think about all the damage that, that a lot, that, that just having that belief that, well, taking care of myself is selfish. Just think if if we taught if we teach this to a child the way that child is going to go through their life believing that is tragic it is utterly tragic and it you know and i and i like to i like to say this you know i think i think about mother teresa a lot in in india and her work you know and and i think about mother teresa absolutely you know, I didn't know her, of course, but I, but I know her spirit and I know her work and I'm inspired by her every single day. But, but I know that, you know, taking care of the people of India was, was her passion. It was her passion. And was that selfish? You know, I mean, because it's what she loved to do. It was loving for her. It was the most loving act she could ever do for herself was to love others and to take care of others and to heal others and to help others. Was that selfish because she was following her passion? Or, you know, someone else that I follow on on Twitter, Niall Harbison, who, who takes care of the wild stray dogs in Thailand. And, and Niall is amazing. If you follow him, you can, wa- you can see what he's doing. You can donate to him. And he's just doing amazing work. And he, he inspires me with what he does for these, wi- these, these stray dogs that have nobody else but, but Niall and his, his little team. And, you know, is Niall being selfish because he's in Thailand you know, doing this healing work that I'm sure like nourishes his soul, that is, that it, that it heals his, you know, that makes his soul feel most alive, that it, that is his passion. Is that selfish? Because he's following his bliss. He's following his purpose. Okay. So, so, so obviously this is completely and utterly screwed up way of thinking. Again, it is the greatest, in my view, the greatest lie in the world. And we have to just know that self that self love is the foundation of of all love for you know because again as margaret says in the episode you know when i ask myself what's most loving to me what now what's in my highest good now well if i follow that if that's my north star if that's my compass if i follow what's most loving to me you know what i am going to be loving to other people as well i'm going to be so loving to other people other people are going to be drawn to me because i'm going to be like radiating love and this is what it means to elevate 
ultimately, this is what elevation is all about. And, you know, after the show, unfortunately, this wasn't in the episode, but Margaret and I were talking a little bit after, after the episode. And I, and, I, and I basically asked her, I said, you know, what's the most, what's the best gift that, that like a parent could give a child? And she's, and, and, and basically, I can't remember her words exactly, but it was basically, you know, your joy, your, your, your joy, you know, um, you know, if you think about it, imagine giving that and letting that be an inheritance that we give to a, to a child or to a young person, our joy, because when we're joyful, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna radiate that to other people. And, and just, you know, because that's a message. That's a message that we're giving off. That it's, you know, that we should be seeking our joy. Obviously, we don't want to seek joy that hurts other people, right? That's not the kind of joy that we want. But 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 if it's genuine, real joy and we're and we're and we're we're seeking our own joy, that's gonna be felt by the people around us, our loved ones. So, anyways, there's just so much there. And I hope um I hope everybody can go back in and check out Dr. Margaret Paul, the the self, the, the love yourself episode and just check out her work. I, I like I said, it's, it's been incredibly powerful for me personally, and uh, I hope it will be powerful for you too. Okay. So something else that's come out on the show recently is this theme of disconnection and how disconnected we are and, and the, and the issues that come up when we're disconnected, not just from one another. I mean, that, that, that is the case. You know, we, we are, I think, more disconnected. We're, we're very disconnected from one another, but we're also disconnected from ourselves. And what came out, what, what's come out crystal clear, and I got this from the wonderful, wonderful conversation with the amazing Anu Gulati in her new book, and just talking with her, and, and it also came out with Margaret Paul, is that when, when we are disconnected from ourselves, we get sick. We get physically sick. And as Margaret Paul said, you know, she was going to die. She was going to die. She was caretaking for everybody else, not herself. Anu talks about going to the ho- the emergency room three times. Um, where, and a friend, asked, a friend asked her that, that profound question. She said to Anu, how many times are you willing to go through this before you're going to make a change? And I have to tell you, after I recorded those episodes, I went to the emergency room. <laughs> and I, I mean, isn't, that, isn't this crazy? It's, it's just unbelievable. And I went to the emergency room as well because I was having a breakdown from probably exhaustion and stress and all that, all that stuff. And I'll, I'll, go, I'll talk more about this in a little bit. But the whole idea is that when we're disconnected, we get physically sick and you know, we're, 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 we're harming ourselves. And so what also comes out in the, in the, in the episode with the new is that we have to listen to our feelings and our emotions because they are the messengers. They are the messengers and, and they are giving us powerful information. And, and something else that a new says that I really love is she says that your emotions are also a call to action. I absolutely love that. And that's what I found too when I went to the emergency room is, I, is, is it's a call to action. It, it is ultimately just telling you, okay, you need to make some change and you need to do it and you need to do it now. It is a call to action. What a profound, profound statement from Anu. And Anu also refers to it as, you know, coming home to ourselves. And we have to, because 
The, the issue is by not listening to our, our emotions, it's like we're not coming home. We're running away from home. We're, we're going everywhere else, but we're not coming to our home, ourselves, listening to our emotions, our feelings. And again, and then ultimately taking action on them. There's something else related to this disconnection. I, I think it also comes from a not seeing ourselves clearly. And I just want to read to you a great, a great, some great words of wisdom from one of my heroes, Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese monk who, who passed away recently. But Thich Nhat Hanh once said, you, the richest person on earth who have been going around begging for a living, stop being the destitute child. Come back and claim your heritage. We should enjoy our happiness. And this is profound. Because if you think about it, you know, we are, you know, and this is obviously just a metaphor, but, you know, we are the richest person on earth and we're walking around like a beggar, right? And, and this just comes from the fact that we're not seeing ourselves. We're not seeing the radiance of who we truly are. And this goes back again to Dr. Margaret Ball and in this notion of, you know, how does our higher self see us? right? And, and she does a meditation where, where, where she does this, but imagine meeting with your higher self and looking into the eyes of your higher self and your higher self is looking at you. Well, how do you think that higher self is going to look at you? Do you think that higher self is going to look at you like a beggar? Or is it going to look at you like the most loving way, radiancy? I mean, you are just like radiating love. You're radiating peace. You're radiating, you are radiating, period. And I mean, that's who you are. And it echoes, the, there's another great story of the golden Buddha, the, go, the story of the golden Buddha. And uh, this, this, is, this, is, this echoes what Thich Nhat Hanh is saying. But the, this, uh, this notion of the golden Buddha, if you've, ever, if you've never heard this story before, it's this whole idea that there was this village and they had this giant golden Buddha and they were about to be invaded. So they were about to be invaded. So they ended up, you know, they didn't want the golden Buddha to be plundered or stolen or taken. So what they did is they, they covered this, the, the golden Buddha in mud and dirt and stone, and they cut, covered it to make it almost look worthless, right? Like this old raggedy broken down Buddha and they covered it. And so the, so the, so the ended up the, um, the, the other warring village came in and ended up, you know, you know, wiping out this, this village, but they left the, the Buddha because they thought it was worthless. And years and years later, <clears throat> there was a, uh, another monk was meditating by this stone, dirty Buddha. And basically a piece of the stone and the mud or, or the, the hardened mud or, or whatnot fell off. And the, the monk could see that there was like something shining underneath and, and, and could see a little tiny bit of gold. And so he, he gathered all the other monks to come by and they all started chipping and chiseling away at this Buddha. And they, 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 they knocked off all of the stone and the, the hardened dirt and all this. And, and they revealed the radiant, golden, beautiful Buddha. And, and, and obviously this is a metaphor for all of us, that we are the golden Buddha. But we've had this stone and dirt and been covered by limiting beliefs and people telling us we're not good enough and people telling us this and, and, and all these limiting beliefs covering us 
when in fact we are we are we are radiant. We are, you know, as Thich Nhat Hanh said, we are the richest person on earth walking around like a beggar. We are the golden Buddha. Um, and this is each and every one of us, everybody. And so this is what, um, this, so this is so important. So again, this goes back to that theme of disconnection that I think Anu and Margaret Paul are talking about. And, you know, I think part of it is related to the fact that we're just not seeing, you know, and this is that the old adage in, in Buddhism and other spiritual philosophies of the illusion, right? The illusion, part of the illusion is how we look at other people, but also how we see ourselves. Okay. So it's coming back to who we truly are. This episode's sponsor is Microbiome Labs. For the last nine years, Microbiome Labs has been committed to advancing understanding of the human microbiome. They're at the helm of innovation, putting new formulations and technology in the hands of healthcare practitioners and patients. Among many other novel innovations, MBL can now help improve the gut-brain connection with their ZenBiome Cope and ZenBiome Sleep products. Maybe it's been a while since you've re-examined your probiotic choices, the science around the microbiome or novel solutions that are coming out every day. Microbiome Labs will be here at the forefront of science, continuing to pioneer health in this space. For more about this strain and other gut microbiome products, just visit microbiomelabs.com. And as a special bonus for the Drew Perlman Show listeners out there, receive 15% off your total order from Microbiome Labs by just using the discount code that is in the show notes. And so let's keep going here. So, so diving into some of the themes that I, that I took away recently from some episodes, another big theme that came up is intention and the power of intention, the incredible power of intention. And Dr. Paul says, you know, there are two intentions. There, there are only two. There is an intent to control and an, and an intent to protect ourselves from feeling certain feelings, that's one. And then the other intent is the intention or the intent to learn about loving ourselves. So we can either be in one or one of those states. Um, again, the intent to control and protect or the intent to learn in particular about loving ourselves. And, you know, most of us, I would say, are, you know, in a, in a intention to control, to control our others, to protect others or protect ourselves from feeling certain feelings. And as I like to tell people, you know, if you, if you absolutely feel that you need to control something, right, you're, you're a control freak and you need to control everything. Well, I'd say the, then, you know what you need to do that the one thing you need to control the, and the only thing you can control is to control your level of self-love. That's it. Okay, so if you really absolutely find that you need to control something, turn up, turn the dial up and control your level of self-love. Okay, that you can control. That's the one thing. That's the, maybe the only thing you can control, unfortunately. Um, B. Bocalandro, who was on the show, who, B was one of my favorite guests because she is just an amazing storyteller. And I, I want to get back to a couple of her stories in a little bit. Um, but B says, check your intention. I love that, right? Whatever you're doing, check your intention. Check, your, check in with your intention. And she says at the end of the episode, it's the intention that the world will eventually respond to. 
not the action itself. And, you know, I, I told that to a few people and they're like, nah, Drew, that's, we don't buy that. That's not true. But I think it is true. I, I absolutely think it is true that it is the, you know, that ultimately it's the intent that we're bringing to the work that we're doing or the actions that we're taking that I think are, you know, people, that's what we feel. That's what we feel. We feel the intention, right? It's like, there's a great quote I remember reading years ago from the, the French chef. I, I talk about this all the time. The French chef, Alan Passard, who is the great, one of the greatest chefs in the world. And he said, he said in, in a, a television show, he said, you know, there are, I believe he said there are 25 ways to cut a shallot. 25 different ways we could cut a shallot. And if you think about it, there's probably like thousands and thousands of ways we could cut a shallot. But the whole idea is that we can do anything so many different ways, right? We can wash dishes mindlessly, checking out, stressed, whatever. Or we could wash those dishes and be completely present and grateful. I mean, there's just like, there's, there's, so that's the intention behind the act. The intention behind the act is, is so important. Um, so ultimately, so much of this about the work of an intention, about the work of Dr. Margaret Paul, so much of it about, about it is just doing our most sacred work, our sacred job, which is to elevate, which is to evolve, which is to raise our level of consciousness, right? And if we can do that work, Oftentimes, change happens, well, I, I wouldn't even say oftentimes, I'd probably say every time that change happens from the inside out, right? So we change our inner state and we suddenly, we recognize that, hey, our, my life is changing. The people around me are changing. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's powerful. Another big theme that's come out on the show is blame. The blame game. And Dr. Paul does talk a lot about this in her inner bonding work. Um, it is so easy to blame. And you know, Don Jose Ruiz, one of my favorite guests of all time, one of my favorite people in the world. Jose is just a, what is Jose? Jose I mean, he's just, he's just a beautiful human being. That's all I can say about Jose. He is just a beautiful human being. And I love talking with him as much as I can. And you know, Jose says that when we blame, we are giving our power away. And it is so true because blame really does keep us stuck. On some level, blame may feel good, right? It sort of takes away the, the pain a little bit. But ultimately, blame keeps us stuck in negative patterns. Is ultimately because we continue to blame and we continue to stay the same and the patterns persist. I like to refer to it as the wheel of blame. And we all spin the wheel of blame because let's just say you're blaming your neighbor for something like your, your neighbor did something. Well, if your neighbor were to spontaneously disappear from the world the next day, is your blame going to disappear forever? I don't think so. I think you're going you're gonna to spin that wheel of blame again. You're going to find someone else to blame, right? Because blame is an energy. It's a, it's a frequency. It's an, ener it's an energy. And, and it doesn't go, it's not related. As hard as this is to believe, it's not really related to a person in particular. It's like a frequency and that we tune into. And so, so the, that person may disappear from our life. You know, this person may, may go away, right? 
but we're going to spin the wheel again and we're going to find someone else to blame. So it's really, and, and we know that blame is ultimately coming from our wounded self, right? So this is where we have to do the work of returning to our loving self, right? Our loving adult. And it's not to say that we're not going to, you know, Dr. Paul says that over time we can sort of create those new neural pathways in the brain, but it isn't to say that this happens overnight or even in a year, right? This is the work of a lifetime. It really is. But I think it's important work is it's, it's shifting from the wounded self of blame who, who just wants to blame to the loving adult who really just, who really takes responsibility takes full responsibility and ownership. And I love how Dr. Paul says, you know, I was in therapy for 30 years or so, and no one ever told me, no one ever told me that I'm responsible for my feelings. And if you think about that, that's changes everything. It changes everything. So taking that responsibility. And also, of course, blame is related to other, it's other person focused. And we know, again, that we cannot control anyone. We cannot control a thing, unfortunately, again. But it's other person focused, so it's futile. It's, it's trying to control others is hopeless and futile. And again, we're giving away our power. We need to focus on ourselves. And we need to let go of that blame. And that's what Dr. Paul says in the inner bonding program in step number one is about taking full responsibility. And this echoes what Anu says as well, is that if we're focused on that energy of blaming, blaming our relatives, blaming the past, blaming this person, that person, well, if we do that, we're, we're wasting all this beautiful energy, right? That could be focused on designing our life, that could be designing a life that we love. But we're so focused on blaming, we're, we're, we're exhausted. Blaming is exhausting. And, you know, I'll never forget the line from Gandhi who, you know, when he was talking about the, the, the anger that he experienced when he was thrown off that train in South, uh, South Africa for the color of his skin, right? He was, he was angry. He was really angry. And he talks about how he, he took that anger and he transmuted it into something that would ultimately, that, that would, he would use as fuel, that he would use as rocket fuel for, for creating, you know, change in his country and, and a change that would ultimately change the entire world. Um, but it was, it was, it was taking that energy and recognizing or that, 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 that anger, that blame can be, you know, if we channel it, if we utilize it, it can be used to fuel transformation. It can be used to, to transform the world. I mean, it's, it's truly incredible. All right. One more theme, because I I did want to keep this, I didn't want this episode to go too long because I could just keep going for hours and hours. And I don't think anybody wants that right now. But what I, the other thing that I wanted to bring up is, is another theme that came out that I, that I really loved is this idea of the ripple, the ripple effect. And again, this goes back to the ways in which we, the invisible ways, you might even say, the invisible ways we affect one another, right? By the way we talk to each other, by the way we interact with one another, that we are constantly affecting each other. And this comes out so loud and clear 
in my view at least, in the in some stories that were on recent episodes. One of them was by the great Dr. Pat Sullivan, and another one was from B. Bocalandro. And I wanted to just start with Dr. Pat. Now, for those of you who haven't listened to that episode with Pat Sullivan, highly recommended. He is just another beautiful human being. And Pat tells this. So first of all, Pat is, is not just a doctor, not just a plastic surgeon, but he's like literally the best in the world. <laughs> and it's cool. It's cool to talk to someone who's like the best in the world at anything. And, and that's who Pat is. But here's the thing about Pat. When he, he tells the story that when he was a young, I think he was in college, and he had a summer job where he had to drive people around. And, and he happened to be driving this Dr. James Gill. Now, Dr. James Gill was not only a professor and a medical doctor, but he was also, he was also a priest. And he really took a liking to Pat, this young, hardworking guy who was driving him around. And Dr. Gill said, you know, Pat, you know, he basically said he was going to send Pat anywhere around the world to do some service work. And, and, and Dr. Gill said that he could send Pat to, to work with Mother Teresa in India, and which was, which was pretty amazing to a, to a guy who hadn't done much traveling at the time. And, you know, Pat, went away from that experience with Dr. Gill and he thought, well, is this, you know, is this guy, is this really going to happen? I mean, is he going to just send me, just send me a plane ticket to India and to work with mother Teresa and her, and her people? Um, well, out of the blue, a few months later, Dr. Gill called for Pat and he said, where do you want to go? And, and Pat went to India and then he also went to Africa later and Dr. Gill really encouraged, really saw something in Pat with regard to becoming a medical doctor. And he really encouraged Pat. And he saw something in Pat, maybe Pat didn't even see in himself. And from that interaction, Pat became, like I said, the best doctor, one of the best doctors in the world. And now Pat has left his practice, which to be honest, if you want to get an appointment with Pat, you have to book it like two years in advance. Okay. That's, that's what we're talking about here. But, but here's the thing, Pat left his practice to work with Operation Smile and travel around and teach other doctors and, and devote his life to this Operation Smile. So can you see here, this is the ripple this is the ripple of how we affect one another. It's, it's incredible. I mean, who knew? I mean, I'm sure Dr. Gill didn't know when he was talking with Pat that how Pat would then ultimately devote his life to something else. And think about the people that Pat is going to interact with, right? And how they are going to do something. This is the ripple effect, okay? And what I like to say is it's not the grand gesture that changes the world, right? It's not the politician getting up and giving a speech, <laughs> I would even say, absolutely not. It's, it's, the little, it's these little interactions that we have that are not little at all. But it's not the grand gesture of what we think that we might see in a movie, someone getting up and giving a big speech, right? You know, 
because again, we got to check our intention and is our intention pure? So that is, that was a great story by Pat. And you know, we also got some great stories from B. Bocalandro and she told probably one of my favorite stories is about the bus boy. So B is focused on job purposing and turning, you know, turning, doing social, so socially good works in your, in your job as, and, and just sort of seeing your job as an opportunity to do good, good, good work for others and what she calls job purposing and bringing a level of purpose to your job. But anyways, she talks about someone that she met and did an interview with, and, and he was a former bus boy. His name was Will, and he was a former bus boy at a casino when he was around 19 or 20. And at the time, and again, this is what B tell, tell if you got B, B tells the story much better than I do. So I encourage you to go back, listen to Pat Sullivan, listen to B, those episodes. But anyways, she says that um, Will had was about 19 or 20. He didn't have any parents. They were not in the picture. He had maybe a grandfather, some younger siblings, and they were living out of a, you know, a cheap motel, right? And they had, you know, they had absolutely no money. They were actually in really dire, desperate state. I mean, Will was basically supporting the family and his young siblings and his grandfather. And they were all, so he was at this casino and the employees were all gathered together. It was around the holiday time and they were all talking about, you know, what they were going to do for the holidays and, and that kind of thing. And Will was going on and on about how he's going to get this guitar and they're going to all bake, you know, him and his family, they're going to bake pudding together. And, and of course they had no money. He was, he was making all of this up. Like he had, they were in a desperate situation. And um, so Will was saying all this. And then weeks went by and he came into work one day and there were all these wrapped presents. And as it turned out, his coworkers had gotten him everything that he mentioned at, when he was talking with them. And this was a pretty, pretty amazing story. But, but here's something else that's amazing is that B found out about the story is because she was meeting with Will because he was an incredible manager. This was years later. He was an incredible manager who was doing job purposing. Um, and this was 10 years later. And he was doing this amazing work for his employees. And he was, you know, making sure they had everything they needed. And, 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 and she had heard about this. And when she was talking with Will, Will said, you know, 10 years ago, I was a busboy at a casino and she, and he told her the story of what had happened, which she, which she didn't even know, which B didn't even know about. And isn't that amazing? And as B says, you know, when you do job purposing, when you do something like Will did, or you do something like James Gill did this, according to statistics, this does, this will triple the amount of positive acts. So if you do a good deed for someone like this, a job purposing type act, that person will likely go out and do triple the amount of job purposing that was done for them. But here's the thing, that's just like an average. Because if you think about Will or you think about Pat Sullivan, I mean, they're doing way more than triple. So again, this is truly, truly how we change the world. It is not, again, from giving some speech or anything like that. It's going out and how we talk to people, how we bring kindness, how we bring love, how we, how we do these kind of things. And again, this begins from going back 
to what we said in the beginning, living from our loving adult, living from the loving adult that is within all of us, not from our wounds. Because if we're living from our wounds, we're not going to be able to do this. We're not going to be able to elevate our frequency, our consciousness, right? We're not going to be able to move to those higher levels on the map of consciousness. We, we just can't. We can't. So we got to come back to that. And that simply means doing the work, doing the work. All of you beautiful listeners out there, that's what it comes down to. So, you know, I had more on my list that I was going to talk about, but, you know, in terms of healing, but I, but I do want to just end on this. So, you know, I mentioned it before I said, I, I, I was revealing that, um, what happens when we feel disconnected. And I, and I want to just end on saying that, uh, yeah, recently I have this hospital bracelet on my wrist and I keep it, I keep it on. I'm going to keep it on for a long time because it's a reminder, um, that, you know, about a month ago I had to go to the emergency room and, you know, and I went in there and I got to, this is, this is pretty unbelievable. Cause you know, I think I'm think of myself as a pretty fit, healthy person, but I went in there and, um, and what happened was, is they were running an incredible amount of tests because they thought something was, you know, severely wrong. And in fact, one of the, one of the nurses said to me, he said, you know, we've taken more of your blood than anyone that I've ever taken blood from, which, you know, I mean, it's kind of a badge of honor, I guess. I don't know, but I lost a lot of blood that day. Um, and you know, they, and, and then, and, you know, I spoke to doctors and they're speculating, maybe they need to take this. I'm not even joking here. Um, maybe it's this organ needs to be removed and this and that. And, 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 and seriously, and, um, but as it turns out after spending, you know, staying overnight and, and all that, as it turns out, it was related to none of this, of, of all this speculation and all the lab work and all the x-rays and all this stuff. Ultimately, it amounted to zero and nothing. It amounted to nothing. It's nice that they could do it. Don't get me wrong. And I met some wonderful people there. But ultimately, it amounted to nothing. Because what it was, what was really, what was affecting me wasn't really a biochemical, you know, it wasn't a physiological problem as much as it was related to the basics, stress, exhaustion, those things. And so many of the people on the show, like Dr. Henning Sop and Tommy Priester, you know, have, have, have said, you know, the, the physical is really so in so many ways is sort of just the evidence. The physical ailment is the evidence of a deeper psycho-spiritual or psycho-neuroimmunological it's something, it's something that deals with the psyche. It's something that deals with our spiritual state, our purpose, our level of stress, those kind of things. The, the things that we really can't measure in lab work, right? We can't measure our purpose. And to some degree, we can't really even measure our, you know, what, what our thoughts, we might, negative thoughts we might be having. We can't really measure that in a lab work or an x-ray, right? But, but this is these are powerful. This is what uh, truly, truly impacts our health. So ultimately, I guess what I'm trying to say is real healing. Real healing is related to 
you know, these practices of self-love. It's related to purpose. It's related to our relationships. All of this stuff, none of this stuff costs a dime. None of this stuff needs to be measured in a lab, right? This is just, these are just the basics of what it means to be, be a human being. And again, I wear this hospital bracelet on my wrist as a reminder, you know, stress, overworking, you know, that stuff is a killer, right? So we want to be aware of that. So for you amazing listeners out there, I hope you are getting something from this show and I hope you take away a lot and, um, you know, you know, learn from some of the experts that, that, that we talk with and hopefully you find their, their work important and powerful and i hope you keep listening and feel free and always through through our website you can reach out to me and if you have any comments or if you have any interviews that you think would be would be good that we could bring you just let me know but again i really appreciate you listening and we're as we close in on episode 100 thank you so much for being a part of the drew perlman show and i wish you an amazing 2023 thank you for listening Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.